People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Welcome, defenders of democracy. I have a voice and I'm going to use it. And I have to say, I went through quite a bit of outrage this past week, as I am sure many of you did while watching the hearings. The sheer magnitude of the criminality involved is overwhelming. And for sure, as bad as we knew it was at the time, every hearing reveals that it was much worse. One thing for sure, I want the mainstream media and anyone on the Congressional Committee to stop doing two things. One, stop calling the events that took place a riot as that term would indicate it was a spontaneous reaction to some news or event that happened. And we know that the news that the election was over was not new by a long shot. That's number one. Number two, please do not keep that narrative going that he whose name I do not like to mention failed to act or chose not to act. He was very definitely taking an action. He was executing his long-term plan according to the strategy that even Steve Bannon outlined to remain in power by any means necessary. By declaring himself winner, no matter what, he did not stop his fomentation of the civil war and instead called in his troops to shore up his flanks by calling in his congressional supporters, moved forward to incite violence, even the death of his own VP, and tweeting, I love you to his supporters. You know, we have to look reality in the face here and stop giving this guy a pretty story as a cover. He did not fail to take action. He did not choose not to act. He was engaged in his final battle, pulling out all the stops. And to that discussion... Today, we are back with our guest, Allison Gaines. Now, you may read Allison via the digital news magazines of writers and editors of color, Medium, Zora, Momentum, and Level, as she publishes close to daily. Ms. Gaines is also the founder of Justice Can't Wait, a civil rights organization. So welcome back to Outspoken Allison. Thank you so much for having me. Well... I read a piece you published recently I thought was extremely timely, as so many of us are watching the January 6th hearings with great trepidation. And the title of your piece was, Will Trump's White Privilege Protect Him from Any Legal Consequences? And look, although I don't like to mention that name, I'm going to do that because that was the name of your piece. So, huh. Before we jump into that discussion, let me ask you something, Allison. Will you define white privilege for our listeners so we are all on the same page? I feel like white privilege can be defined, um, it's actually a two-part deal. So on one end, white privilege refers to um, the benefits that white people receive simply for being white in this society. 
The second one are the, the fact that they do not have to deal with the discrimination that black and marginalized groups do. So, for example, um, white babies, when they're born, are more likely to survive. Uh, black mothers are more likely to die in childbirth. That kind of um, phenomenon gives white people privilege, even if they never do anything implicitly uh, rude or disrespectful. Okay, that sets up the environment for this particular discussion, because one of the points in your piece was that uh, you said, and if the failure to prosecute Donald Trump has nothing to do with his whiteness, can you honestly say that if President Obama withheld money from an ally nation for his personal gain and fomented violence at the Capitol after losing, would he not have already been charged with a crime? So talk to us a little bit about that, because that got me. I remember that moment of watching the people storm the Capitol um, in what I call an insurrection, because they they had a clear goal to stop the electoral count so that Trump could remain in office illegally. Um, when I witnessed them do that, I thought to myself about the summer that we had just finished, the Black Lives Matter protest, and about how Trump used to use this language and says, when the looting starts, when the shooting starts. And to me, that was an indication that he was willing to encourage violence against protesters. But when we saw those protesters on the Capitol that had Confederate flags, that had Nazi attire, um, they were not treated harmfully. In fact, they were the ones that assaulted and beat police officers. So I started to think about Obama's presidency and how he handled his transition of power with dignity, even though obviously it wasn't an easy moment handing the keys over to Donald Trump. And I thought, what if he handled it completely horribly? What if he encouraged black people to storm the Capitol to to do all these violent things and use his personal gain to kind of create a quid pro pro where he can uh, benefit. I wondered how that would be treated. And I find it hard to believe that Jeff Sessions, who was um, attorney general during, you know, the beginning of Trump's presidency and who fought against civil rights. I find it hard to believe that he would not have pressed charges against Obama, despite him being the president of the United States. I feel like it's unfortunate but I do feel that Trump's whiteness has protected him throughout his entire life. And unfortunately, I believe it will continue to do so. Well, you did mention a, a black man can be shot in the back of his head for fleeing the police, but a white man can try to overthrow the government and still walk away unscathed, unarrested and unbothered. Now, this is right from your piece. And I think you make a very critical point here. And I think we see this repeatedly. It poses the question, is it really true that no one is above the law? Right. And I uh, took that quote from uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland because, um, you know, just full disclosure, I don't have any problem against with him. But he did say that no person is above the law in this country. And in order for that to be true, then white people have to be held to the same legal standard. If if what we're saying as a society is that we were willing to accept that a black man could die, get shot in the head like Patrick Loyola for fleeing a traffic stop, which could have ended up in a misdemeanor charge, then how is it that someone can literally try to destroy the entire democratic process? And not only is he not harmed, but he's not arrested. And even the thought of him being arrested is somehow radical. It's, it's, kind of absurd like the jury the in in a jury system the public and people's peers will decide but if a trial never comes before a jury then it's kind of depriving the public of of adjudicating um anything and i think that's unfortunate what do you think the danger of this is if there are no charges for donald trump and the people who assisted 
in organizing and fermenting the violence on, on the Capitol and the insurrection, then I think it says that it's perfectly legal. And I'm afraid as an American that that means in the future that he can do that again or any candidate, no matter what political party, no matter what their beliefs, that when people don't get their way, they can resort to violence. And it's OK if you're a certain group of people, if you're rich enough, if you're white enough, you can get away with it. I think that's dangerous and I don't think it's healthy for a democracy. And I don't think it's healthy for people who claim they respect the rule of law. Well, you know, you make a point there, and I want to take it a little bit deeper about the protesters with Black Lives Matter and that whole idea that these protesters were more than protesters. I mean, imagine if those protesters had come out in paramilitary gear, completely suited up and totally organized with tear gas bombs and everything else. I mean, what what do we think that would have happened immediately in that moment in time? Unfortunately, I think a lot of black people would have died. And um, if you look at through the history of, you know, black people protesting in America, you have the 60s where dogs were used on black people, where people were getting hit by the police and hoses were being used against them. And when we saw the Black Panthers show up um, armed, but doing a peaceful protest in California, the response of the NRA was for the for the first time, maybe that, that might have been their first time, but they supported legislation to actually cut back on um, using semi-automatic weapons. So we see that when black people protest, even if it's peaceful, a lot of times the response is violence or disempowerment. But white people, when they do it, it's, it's considered a riot. I don't think that's a riot when it was planned and we all saw it about to happen on social media. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece of this, that the effort was organized. And that's why um, in opening up this show, I've talked about this idea of mainstream media and, and even the congressional committee talking about chose not to act. And I think this is really making a pretty story for what's actually happened, because choosing not to act means that you decided not to do anything when it was negligence. It was negligence. It was clear that this was a plan and these were the final push for a plan that had been in action for, I don't know, ever since he whose name that shall not be mentioned by me. He's been planning this since he was calling uh, Obama and was on the birther trip. Exactly. And um, I agree with the language being used. I think that part of the reason why I think some of that language being used is because the Democrats on the committee are trying to let Republicans be the ones to tell the story. And I think that somewhere in trying to compromise with them on that note, the language has somehow softened. But to be clear, the problem with Donald Trump was not just that he failed to act. The problem was that he planned and actually with his own voice in front of the American people, invited people to come down to the Capitol, invited people to put pressure on Mike Pence. Um, to me, it was very intentional. He had no, he did not uh, concede the election. Um, and we all know that that's just good decorum. Once you find out you don't have the numbers, once you exhaust all your legal avenues, which he did, he still was spreading the big lie that he won. And um, it got people hurt and it was dangerous. Um, and I think that we're seeing whitewashing in real time. We're seeing how something heinous can happen and somehow the narratives around it get whitewashed to where who knows what will it'll be depend on what history put a child reads, what they will understand. But one thing they can never erase is those videos, those tapes, because we literally saw it happen. 
Well, the idea that don't believe your own eyes, I mean, this is this is really the, the propagation of that sort of uh, idea. Don't, I know you all saw it, but don't believe your eyes. Believe what I tell you. I mean, this is... This is a, a, a critical piece of the story that I think really needs to come out very strongly in this. And, and, and we need to look at it holistically, not in just a moment here and a moment there. I think the story is beginning to get to that place. One thing that gave me, and I will say, a bit of hope in this thing was that be, the, the Chiron, the, uh, behind the Congressional Committee, it said, attack on the Capitol. It used the word attack on the Capitol. It didn't use insurrection. It didn't use seditious conspiracy, uh, but it did use attack. And I think many people, and we've had other people on this show talking about the differences between the definition of treason and sedition and insurrection altogether. But I think ultimately this entire story, when it's put together, will show an even uh, a more egregious and more frightening story than we even know right now. What do you think we should be doing about this? I think we should be, uh, you know, raising the alarm. I don't think we should become complacent to these misdeeds because if we can vote and someone can just overturn it because they're angry. Because the only thing that made Trump lose was he didn't have enough, like, true loyalists by him. But if he had loyalists that were willing to break the law, willing to see things at side, we would have lost everything. So I think right now we need to treat it with a sense of urgency so that we don't lose our democracy and we need to fight for accountability because if Trump was successfully removed after he was impeached one of the two times, then he wouldn't have been able to run for office. But now that he can, and if, if uh, Garland decides not to charge him with any crimes, then, I mean, honestly, what's stopping him from doing it again? So I think it's our responsibility to raise the alarm, talk to our, um, our elected officials, Especially, you know, reach out to those that are on on the committee, Um, call your local newspapers and uh, let people know that you care about what happened on January 6th, that you feel that there should be consequences or at least that it should be adjudicated in in the court. You know, it's uh, it's interesting and I I haven't witnessed it myself, but I've heard tale. I, I personally can't really handle watching faux news, but I understand that Liz Cheney has been on uh, all weekend on faux news talking about these very aspects. And it seems that the, the the strategy is to move it from failure to act, to chose to act, to chose not to act, you know, I think uh, to using the word attack. I mean, I think it's all of this is basically going to hinge on political will. And unless you can get the public on board with moving forward with these um, with prosecution, I think that there's a there's an issue here because the law is only as good as those who choose to follow it. And it has to when it when it when the people are black. The, it seems like prosecutors have no problem with following that rabbit hole. They will like the fact that we live in a society where you can kill a black man and he'll never even be able to go to trial and defend whatever charges he was being accused of. I just think it's really unfortunate because I agree with you wholeheartedly. We need the political will, but how unfortunate that that somehow they find the will to attack black people. And if you go to mappingpolice.us you will see that black people are killed by the police 2.9 times in this country. So somehow police and law enforcement continue to find the will to hurt black people. But when it comes to saving our democracy, somehow things get a little complicated. 
More than a little complicated. I mean, I think we're we're the, the whole point, and and we have all of these these candidates running in this next election, and they're running on the uh, on the idea that still that the election was stolen, and and when, what I don't what I personally cannot come to terms with is how can people run when they are insisting that this narrative is still the true story. I mean, this this makes them part of as the seditious conspiracy. And really, by the Constitution, they should not be able to run or hold office. I mean, 14, Amendment 14, letter C, says that if you're involved in this, you cannot hold office and you cannot be elected. And yet, and yet, we, we're, we're watching that happen all over the country. Do you have any thoughts on that? 147 Republicans voted to overturn the election results. To me, all of them are all involved in the seditious conspiracy because they they disrespected their voters and 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 decided to go with a with someone that they did not vote for. They were part of it. Um, they were not part of the violent part of it, as we saw Hawley running away. We saw him running because they were scared after they they started something that they got out of um, even even some of their control. Um, And I think that that like when they're running around with the news talking about Hank Mike Pence. Yes. Everyone that voted against the certification of the election to me should no longer be able to to serve in Congress. And I think that um, while I I appreciate the January 6th committee's efforts and I think they're doing a great job, I do think that the language needs to sharpen. This was an insurrection. It was an attempted coup d'etat. It was not a riot. It was not simply an attack. Um, And that's and that's shown by all the evidence borne out. So I just think that um, I'm just hoping the right thing happens. But I'm just being very aware because, you know, we're Americans, so we're not new to this. We understand that a lot of times people just get away with things. Um, and unfortunately, I think that, you know, if he gets away with it, then I think in the next two years, me and you might be talking about him running for election again, having no criminal charges to say he did anything wrong related to January 6th, even though over 800 people were arrested. So the people the, the people that were on the bottom are arrested, but not the ringleaders. Yeah. You know, it's like it's odd. The fall guys, right? The ones who are going to take the fall for something that was uh, instigated by those who actually had the organizational power to be able to make this happen on a national level like that. And I, I, I think, um, in, and I've heard this, and I, 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 uh, I was watching uh, the VP, ha- VP Harris talk about this the other day. In order to really, and, and this is something that's very difficult and certainly difficult for most of the people that I personally know or that are in my circle, they 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 have difficulty with the idea that you know you have to vote i mean we know that but people their their patience is very low well voting it's not getting what we want but truly the power of being able to act sits in that senate and we have That's some true. and we have some very very important senate races that are coming up and without having that majority it's almost impossible to move forward in so many ways. Had we had the majority on the impeachment uh, tri- uh, trials and on the impeachment enforcement, I, then we, we would have seen that happen. Yeah, we need to expand our, um, our games because Democrats right now, even though it's, it's kind of like they have 48 senators. Um, because Manchin and Cinema are not willing to overturn the filibuster to get a lot of the legislation that we need to protect our democracy, like uh, the voting, like uh, restoring voting rights. Um, and so 
until we get 52, these two people who are really conservative will be able to um, stop the president's agenda, which will undermine him, which people will then use as an excuse to support chaos. And I think that's that's the true threat right now. I totally agree. I see some very strong black women coming to the forefront in the Senate race. There are two that I'm particularly uh, interested in and and probably will go down to those states and uh, help get out the vote in those areas. One is in North Carolina, we have Sherry Beasley. I think her opportunity in North Carolina is very strong. And then there's Val Demings, who I feel has a pretty good shot against Marco Rubio there. And it's interesting because... Both of them were either in, in um, uh, Sherry Beasley was a, a, a judge in the Supreme Court of the state, I believe. And uh, Val Demings, of course, uh, was an enforcement was in enforcement there. So you have these very, very strong women. And then you have Stacy still fighting it out with Brian Kemp. And this is the kind of uh, these are the kinds of candidates, from my perspective, that certainly uh, we need to support and, and white people need to support because these are the women that have the strength to keep going forward. Do you have any thoughts on other candidates or these in particular? Uh, I'm a big fan of Val Demings. I think that um, the great thing about, I do love that we are diversifying like the electorate and the people that are running. Um, I think that in Louisiana, I'm interested in Gary Chambers um, as, a, as a Democratic candidate. So it's like a lot of my family members. Uh, he's a black man and he's trying to kind of um, what he's trying to do is just try to dis, like dismantle the legacy of the Confederacy. And wow. what that means is just attacking, attacking policies that are left over from that era and that continue to cause disparity and hurt the state holistically. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of all of them. I'm going to definitely be making calls. Um, and, and helping to the best of my ability. My whole thing is, uh, as far as Democrats, as long as they are, uh, you know, basically not mansion in cinema, not, not, not trying to stop the agenda, as long as they're trying to make it go forward, then I think that we, we should play ball. Whoever wins their primaries, I think we need to coalesce and support them. Um, and hopefully Val Demings and, um, and Cherry Beasley, I hope that they win because we definitely need strong black women leaders in Congress. Because, as you know, since Kamala Harris left, there is no black woman in Congress. Mm-hmm. There is no in, in the, the House. Senate. Yes, but not yeah, in Congress. Not in the so that's it. Exactly. Not in the Senate. Yeah. So it'll be nice to see some black women up in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's like the, the backbone, the, the, the strength of it. You know, it really I, I, I think really comes from that place. And 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 people who continue to move forward regardless. I mean, one of the issues and and uh, in, in my world is even people who are what I would con- I would call political operatives. They feel uh, depressed or they feel like they just want to move to another country or something. And I think to myself, really, really, because this is the time when we really need to look at it and say, keep moving forward. You know, all of what we're seeing only tells it tells us one big thing. We made so much progress that they're come, you know, they've returned with a vengeance (laughs) to pull it apart. And if we allow these candidates to go forward with no fight, that's even worse, because it's going to take everything 
that we have in order to keep moving forward. And, and, and we just have to keep those troops moving forward. I mean, certainly the history of my people has been persecution since, I don't know, they, you know since we left, uh, you know, the, the quote-unquote promised land. So <laughs> you have to keep moving forward no matter how long it takes. And I'm sure you have similar feelings about that yourself. Yeah, because the, the right to vote is precious because things are not the way we want in this country right now. And it's okay to, to understand that. But we have to keep fighting because if you're upset with the laws, if you feel that women should not be forced to have kids, there's really only one way to fix it. The law made this possible and only us changing the law through our power to vote can rectify that. This is why getting voting rights legislation to me is such a priority because without that right to vote, it will diminish our ability to make change and only solidify the stagnation but I'm, I'm i'm out here i want people to vote i want people to feel empowered we actually have a book club that we're doing reading um one person no uh, no vote it's a book written by carol anderson and it is brilliant and so i'm educating myself i'm trying to encourage other people um and and just encouraging people to also check check to make sure you're still registered and and where you can vote that's exactly right, and that's how they get us. Well, how can uh, our listeners uh, see what you're doing, Allison? Where can we find you? You can go to alliefromnola.medium.com. That's where I post the most often, or you can go to alisonthedailywriter.com. So, and you spell Allie how? A-L-L-Y. That's great, and I really appreciate it, and you know I'm going to be calling on you because you have a lot to say, and and I think it's important that your voice is heard, and thank you so much for what you offer us. Thank you so much. All right, we'll be talking again. All right, this has been Joy Silver with Radio 111's Outspoken. Stand up, fight back, and remember, that's what we need to do. Use your voice because this is what democracy looks like.